Welcome to Conversations, a clear result podcast, where we're talking to the industry professionals and thought leaders who are changing the way people use energy. I'm your host, Bo Foz. In this episode, we're picking up our conversation with Peter Kind, Executive Director at Energy Infrastructure Advocates, and Doug Lewin, Clear Results VP of Regulatory Affairs and Developing Markets. To start off, you'll hear Peter respond to a question about potential growth before Doug joins the discussion. Investors, in, in my experience, are often always looking at growth or like potential for growth as a driver for investments. How does that figure in? Oh, well, it's a good question. So um, obviously, growth is a big part of investment decision making. And um, to the extent that utilities invest in traditional infrastructure uh, under the current industry model, you know, they keep having to put more capital in the ground to grow their earnings. That's just the way the formula and the business model works. And um, that may not be the most efficient thing for providing the best quality service uh, or earning the best returns on investment. And so uh, I think everyone would say it's fair to say that there's a lot that could be done on the investment side in the energy infrastructure industry, whether it's uh, behind the meter or on on the grid. But the the idea would be creating a model that probably is a lot, you know, doesn't change entirely the cost of service model, but it adds an incentive component into it for certain types of investments. And hopefully that those types of investments will grow as they prove to be effective. And so, you know, it'll be, it'll be different growth. It'll be growth, more growth from incentives, more growth from non-traditional investment, less growth possibly from traditional capital deployment on the grid. Yeah. And to be clear, you know, we're we're not saying in in the paper, and I don't think anybody would say that there doesn't need to be additional investment made in the grid and that new, you know, concrete and steel and poles and wires and substations don't, don't need to move forward. They do. Uh, The question is, how do you create a system where where a utility can look at different options and say, we may need to build the substation or, or put these poles and wires in the ground or build a power plant, but we may be able to uh, delay or even completely obviate the need for that investment through uh, a suite of demand-side resources, including energy efficiency, distributed generation, demand response, things like that. Right. And how do you create a, a system where they can look at those different options and say, I, could, I, I will do better to the degree that I'm spending less and doing that which benefits my customers the most right as opposed to a system that says you earn your return on the capital infrastructure but not on this other uh, set of solutions even if that set of solutions costs less and benefits your customers more so the paper lower spending higher returns has been out now for a few months right mm-hmm. a couple months mm-hmm. what's the what has the response been like for you guys I mean, for me, it's been very positive. I think everybody I've talked to uh, about the the paper and the concepts in the paper uh, gets it. I think there's there there's broad agreement. There is sometimes um, there are there's a set of advocates that are often against utilities earning more ever. Period. Right. Uh, and and that can be a hard conversation with some of those folks. But I think even with them, 
Uh, you know, what we're talking about is utilities having an incentive and earning more in order to spend less overall. So even if you come to this from a point of view of, uh, you know, I want to see less spending, that that's exactly the point. So I don't think I've had a conversation yet where somebody said, this just doesn't make any sense. I think from a theoretical point of view, everybody gets it. Uh, what we're, what we're going to do in a, in a follow-up paper is actually focus in on a few states that are doing this. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look at Utah. And, and Maryland and Illinois and uh, Michigan and, and say, you know, here's four different states that have, you know, in a significant, meaningful way started to move down this path of giving the utilities a financial incentive to, to spend less and empower their customers yeah. to use less energy. So, okay. So let's say uh, I'm a person listening to this podcast or I've read your paper or I've seen your webinar and uh, I'm either... Uh, uh, working at a utility or I'm on a, on a regulatory commission somewhere mm-hmm. or I'm a utility customer out in the streets and I'm, I, I I read this paper and I'm sold. Where the rubber hits the road, like what is my next step? How do we make this change reality, I guess is what I'm saying. It's a great question it, and, it, and it totally depends on which of those, uh, you know, yeah, uh, which personas you, play, you, yeah. you, you occupy. If you're within uh, a utility, I think engaging with a number of different uh, organizations, um, any, any number of different trade associations that work on this kind of issue. Uh, the Edison Electric Institute and the Institute for Electric Innovation, which is affiliated with the Edison Foundation. Uh, trade associations for the uh, clean energy industry, like Advanced Energy Economy, that are doing great work. Rocky Mountain Institute, et cetera. I think getting involved in those organizations mm-hmm. and getting involved in those conversations yeah. and peer sharing. What are your uti- what are your fellow utilities and other states doing, and how do they approach these problems with their commissions? Uh, if you're at a commission, if your regulatory staff or a regulator. Uh, I think uh, NARUC is a really good form, the National Association of Regulatory Utility Commissioners. All the organizations I mentioned previously are good places for those folks to engage as well. And again, I think talking to the, to their peers in the four states that I just mentioned, but in, in, in many others uh, where regulatory innovations are happening, I think that peer sharing uh, is absolutely uh, critical. And I, I do want to add on the, on the regulator and the regulatory staff uh, front. You know, when Peter was talking earlier about those who win under this scenario, the customers, the utilities, the energy service providers, the regulators win too. This is a chance for regulators and policymakers to to really be heroes because what they're doing is orienting the utility to give the customers the tools they want uh, to, to save energy, to make their homes more comfortable, to connect their homes, right? There's this big trend of uh, internet of things and smart thermostats and connected mm-hmm. lights. It, it, it's putting a system in place where the utility is earning off of the value and services they deliver to their customer as opposed to merely the commodity that moves through the wires. Right. And the customers benefit from those value and services. And of course, customers are constituents and voters too. Uh, so this is a real chance for policymakers to win as well. Does the incented energy efficiency regulatory framework, does that exist on the international scale anywhere? Does it exist on planet Earth? Yeah, Peter, you want to take that or you want me to? Sure, I'd uh, be glad to. So uh, obviously uh, it, it exists in the UK um, where uh, there is a um, fairly uh, updated regulatory model which does not apply the same cost of service uh, approach that we see here. And in, in that market, 
Uh, there is incentives for applying, uh, doing things uh, smarter and, do, and, and doing with less. Uh, and uh, they even go so far there as to, um, to provide in, uh, incentives based on total uh, spending, both on capital and operating, as opposed to just uh, on, on the capital side of things. So they, uh, they really uh, are looking to figure out how can we do things more efficiently. Yeah, what they what they do in the UK uh, is called uh, Rio R I I O, and it's it's this interesting uh, regulatory construct. I've heard um, some uh, utilities in the U.S. that have sort of looked uh, longingly, jealously over uh, the pond at the, at, at the UK and how they do this. Because what they do is they they have a system that's called we we talk about. When we were talking earlier about incentivizing uh, infrastructure and the return on equity being on infrastructure, that's often referred to as CapEx, right? And you can yeah. make your rate of return there. But OpEx, operating expenses, you can't make a rate of return. In the UK, they call it TOTEX, and they put CapEx and OpEx together, so it's total expenditures. Right. So that removes that bias or, or favor towards infrastructure and capital expenditures and equalizes the playing field. They also, and this is part Part of a you know bigger construct, right? We've been talking a lot right. about incentivizing customer empowerment and incentivizing energy efficiency, but there's a bigger picture here, right? Which is the umbrella of performance-based regulation, and and what is the performance that you want to incent? Right. One of the really neat things about this, and you were asking earlier about regulators and regulatory staff and what can they do. One of the really neat things about performance-based regulation is it's infinitely customizable, right? right. A can say, you, you can ask yourself the question, what's important to me in X state, right? And if, and if what's really important to us is reliability, put an extra incentive behind high reliability. I think, I don't think I'm stepping too far out to say that I don't think there's a state or a country in the world that wouldn't say customer experience and customer satisfaction is important to us. Yeah. So I would think that whatever state goes down this road of performance-based regulation, keeping the customers happy, engaged, empowered would be part of that framework. Yeah. And that energy efficiency and energy management tools would be a key component of that. But it's not limited to that. If a state wants to pull together stakeholders and say, what's important to us as Iowans or Oregonians or w whatever, right? Then they can set that framework. And so it shifts from a just, you know, how much do you build an infrastructure and we'll pay you on that to what are the outcomes? It's an outcome-based uh, system. I heard one uh, American utility executive talking about Rio, the UK system and saying, what's great about it is it's all outcome-based and those yeah. outcomes are very clear to everybody. So it orients our whole company company towards going after and pursuing those outcomes in, in order to earn our, our returns. It's a very interesting system. That makes sense. Yeah. Just a couple more questions I have for you guys. Uh, Peter, specifically. So you've now written like three almost papers on this subject, right? Now, like, is there anything, is there anything like any like fresh angles you've found on it since the publication of, of the last one? Like, is there anything you would put in that paper now that's not in it already if you were to write it today? 
Well, obviously, there's always more to get into a topic, but I think it, the objective of the last paper uh, that Doug and I worked on together was to sort of put some meat on a, an example of how we can start to realign uh, the model, uh, do so uh, in a way that may uh, create real behavior change. And so, obviously, we'll be watching as states uh, enter into these uh types of incentive mechanisms and hopefully cheering them on to see that they're they're getting it right, providing meaningful incentives, and, and hopefully with that, the utilities then have to get it right and actually perform. And so, you know, furthering the, the thesis will probably be part of the, uh, of the message, but uh, right. I, I think for now, I think we're, uh, I'm pretty pleased with just having the opportunity to engage people in the discussion and see what they think about the concept. Absolutely. Uh, Doug, for your part, you're working on a sort of a, a sequel in spirit, a follow-up paper to lower spending, higher returns. Can, do you want to talk about what we have to look forward to from that? Yeah, Peter and I have been working on that together. It's it really is as you know a, a focus on what what it's trying to do is that the first paper laid out the the foundation and the and the sort of theory around it. And it's really important. It, get, it does give some practical examples. Right. Uh, Peter did a great job on that sort of working through what do the numbers actually look like to mm-hmm. illustrate the point that you can have less overall spending and a and a, a utility that benefits from that system through through higher returns and higher shareholder value. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't totally theoretical, but it wasn't applied to a particular state. Uh, what the what the new paper does is say here's four different states that are actually working with these principles already in in different ways. Yeah. None of those four states, nor does any other state in, in the union, have uh, sort of the, the fully evolved model. And I don't think anybody who, who you know, works in the UK or is very familiar with that would say their model is, is fully evolved either. One of the really interesting things about this kind of work to to a certain extent, we're kind of building the plane while it's in the air, right? I mean, there's right. still customers or or still rely on electricity, and utilities have you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees dependent upon the financial uh, viability of those companies, and so. But at the same time, we haven't seen the increase in load growth. We see all these new technologies coming out. We see customers being empowered in ways we couldn't have imagined even even five years ago. So the change is happening, and the regulatory model has to keep up with that. So what we tried to do was say, this is all really interesting, but now let's look at a few states that have innovated yeah. and and furthered their uh, regulatory model. So again, we looked at uh, Illinois and Maryland and Utah and Michigan as four examples, not of uh, any of those four states have completely figured it out and they've cracked the code and this is the way to do it. But, right. but because this is infinitely customizable and states can do it their own way, here's how four particular states have have moved down this road. Before we uh, before we get out of here, is there anything any parting thoughts you guys want to lay on us about uh, performance incentive mechanisms? I'll, I'll throw one in and then give you the opportunity as well, Peter. <laughs> I just uh, I've I've been reading uh, Thomas Friedman's book. Thank you for being late. And and I want to um, just sort of end with a, with a quote from that that I that I really like that we're actually going to lead the the next paper with. Um, he, you know, Friedman is really focused on these these new technologies that are just changing uh, the the world so fast. And he says, you know, we're living in an age of acceleration, right? And that yeah. technology is changing faster than we can really keep up with it. And he talks a lot about Moore's law and how that plays out in different uh, areas. 
But he, he has this quote that I love, government regulators need to be as innovative as the innovators. They need to operate at the speed of Moore's law. And I think when you talk about the regulator's role in this, there are tremendous technologies coming out that have the ability to appreciably improve people's lives, yeah. create new economic efficiencies, create whole new industries that you know, five years from now, we'll be talking about, wow, we couldn't have imagined that happening. Right, right, right. Regulators have the ability both to hold those back or to open the doors and let them in. And that's exactly. really what we're talking about right now is are regulators a barrier or are they a, a gateway to new opportunities for, for our society and for uh, energy customers around the country? And I would just add to that. So, so given this opportunity, and, and I agree, the opportunity, you know, the opportunities in new technology development is, you know, has been terrific, and it's just going to continue. But the cust- the average customer doesn't even know what's available to them. And the only, w- the best way to for them to learn and to figure it out and to figure out how to deploy this is to be have the the, the, the trusted utility delivering, you know, the, to them the information and the and the help that for them to actually engage with these. Tech- Technologies, and you need you need to we need to incentivize the utilities to do that because in the current industry model uh, that that doesn't exist, and that's part of the reason for the paper. If we want to move to a to more value, cleaner system, better for customers, better for society, we need to have the utilities be in the middle of this, and they need to be incented to help create this model. Awesome. Thank you. I want to thank you guys both so much for joining us um, on the podcast. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you both, gentlemen. Great. All righty. This has been part two of our two-part conversation with Doug Lewin and Peter Kind. Join us next time for another Energy Thought Leadership discussion. Conversations is produced and recorded on-site at Clear Results Home Office in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to Mineral Spirits for the use of our theme song. For more information, including Doug and Peter's Creating Customer and Investor Value Through Energy Efficiency White Paper, please visit clearresult.com. Thank you.